Hi, you guys. Welcome to Heels in the Field, baseball talk with yours truly, Jessica Caroli. Uh, this is episode two, and I thank you for joining me. Players find a way to extend uh, their career in baseball after they have retired. They find new ways of uh, staying in the game and using their abilities in new ways, but in a way that um, applies what they have learned throughout their careers. Some become, many obviously, become coaches and uh, managers uh, go into scouting. Some guys open their own facility, and you know, locally, and uh, very conducive to family life uh, in in retirement. You know, staying close to home after years of travel and and all of that. Uh, finding you know maybe even the local high school. A lot of guys, uh, you know, take a job coaching or managing it at the local high school. Scouting is you know, regional, so a lot of guys can stay, you know, closer to home than maybe uh, in their minor league or or major league uh, career as a player. Uh, Other guys do something more unique. Uh, Maybe they become authors and write about their lives. Or maybe they do something really unique and write about someone else's life and really take the path of becoming um, an author sort of uh, outside of the realm of of their own playing career um, and do something really special as Jake Gronsky did. Uh, Jake Gronsky is a former minor league baseball player in the Cardinals organization, drafted by the Cardinals. And uh, throughout his career and throughout his life, he loved writing. He's a creative person. Uh, He found joy and freedom in writing. He could express things that perhaps he could not uh, express in conversation, something I relate to. (laughs) Writing is always easier for me. And and Jake uh, has uh, said that uh, in our interview uh, today, that you'll hear, he, he talks a lot about the writing process. Uh, the project that he ended up uh, working on post-baseball career truly dropped in his lap uh, a kind of uh, heaven sent. Uh, he was not expecting it, and it changed his life in many wonderful ways. David Boner is the grandfather of Josiah Vieira, he reached out to Jake about this little boy who had this terminal illness, uh, a rare disease he was diagnosed with at the age of around two uh, that is accelerated aging, uh, ages the body very quickly, very rapidly, and they were not sure how long he was going to live. Over coffee every Thursday night, Jake learns about this wonderful family and what their challenges were and how they kept their faith. Well, how they kept their faith is uh, the energy and life force that was Josiah Vieira. Featured on an ESPN segment that 
uh, is where I learned about him. Uh, and I'm sure many of you did many years ago. Uh, it was a 30 for 30 that told the story of this 10-year-old boy uh, who uh, became a coach with the Cardinals uh, minor league teams and really inspired so many lives. Most importantly, you know, his family kept them going and they all held each other up and lived life to the fullest as much as they possibly could. Jake agreed to write the story of this family and Josiah's life with David Boner. And the project uh, was a short season. Faith, family, and a boy's love for baseball. Josiah passed away in 2018, and he continues to have such a huge impact and indelible uh, mark on baseball fans and players and anyone who hears his story, uh, that he just radiated joy and love of the game and wanted to live life uh, as much as he could. Uh, Jake, uh, in this interview, we also address uh, current things going on, of course, uh, whether MLB will have a season in 2020. We don't know what's going to happen. It's not looking good for Major League Baseball. Uh, the agreement in place is certainly not what uh, the agreement that is being uh, presented again and players are not on board. So Jake addresses that as well as uh, how no minor league baseball season affects uh, development and at the very end, make sure you stay tuned, I debut a segment of trivia, baseball trivia, that I'm going to uh, feature every time I have a former or current baseball player on the podcast. These guys played the game, so they should know baseball trivia, right? I mean, women are always asked to show their creds by answering some sort of pop question about baseball, right? So players, it would stand to reason, should just automatically know all baseball trivia, right? <laughs> we'll see. Three questions at the end. We'll see how Jake does. Also, I'll announce a giveaway, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Here is my conversation with my longtime buddy, Jake Gronsky. Okay, here we go. So, um, since I, I wanted to ask you about uh, the proposal that was just on the table from MLB. Uh, yeah. What did what was your takeaway from what MLB proposed and the players rejecting it? So there, there's a couple things going on here. First off, when the MLB comes up with a good idea, I'm actually surprised. I would also mention, I don't think it's wrong for the players to turn down that type of contract. I mean, we're talking about billionaires of owners. Yeah. 
controlling millionaires. I know, and I know for for us reg- regular folk, like that seems like very like romanticized. They should be doing everything, but they have very much every right to turn down a, a rejected clause. I mean, if you look at any way a contract would be structured, you know, going back to work in in something like this, it would make sense. Okay, getting you know, about half the pay for half the season that would make sense, but. Now they're taking even more from that. So if you are any type of worker, you know, I'll put it this way, if, if you know, the company that you were working for, I was working for, said, hey, you know, you're not going to be working this summer, and then when you come back, we're, we're going to even cut less than the agreed-upon amount, mm-hmm. that, there would be issues there. You know, any union would turn that down. So, uh, you know, I, I think they have every right to turn it down, um, especially since um, baseball has a, an image problem to begin with. They have a very hard time connecting with the audience that um, that that they are trying to trying to sway. So mm-hmm. um, you know something like this, you know, I, I think a lot of people will say, "Hey, well, you're making millions of dollars playing a sport," and then that is easy enough to let go of everyone's rights that they have as players. When realistically, you know, a they're they're trying to make a living in about five to ten years. Right, so they need to make their entire life's worth in, of income in a short amount of time, and they're also playing for billionaires who have even more money. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't think we should just say, "Hey, everyone should go back to play because they owe us anything," because they don't. You know, they have every right to turn you know, a contract that is just a really just a, a bad contract down, um, and that's pretty much. You know, I, I would like to see baseball come back in the right way, in the right manner. Um, but I, I really don't see a contract like that to be to be acceptable. Uh, obviously, the minor league baseball season uh, is also in question. Uh, right. In terms of development, when you think about your own career and, and everything, how do you think this affects really maybe – maybe not top prospects as much, but the lower level guys who are really working to, to, how do you think this affects them not to uh, play live games? This, this situation is a perfect masquerade for major league baseball to start slicing and dicing the minor leagues up, you know, due to uh, very, you know, these unprecedented times, but really it's a financial move. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, minor league baseball, it is a very low-risk, very low-reward system. So the challenge is going to be, now that you have prospects being paid in the millions of dollars just for signing their name on dotted line, they need development. They need to find a way that they got to get their at-bats in order to reap the benefits of that investment. You know, without the minor leagues being as, you know, vast as they are, um, they need to find a way to speed up development, and that's going to be the challenge with minor league baseball. Is it a little bit, you know, is, has minor league baseball evolved and grown maybe uh, too wide? Like, I would probably say yes, but the development, the reason why I do this is because they need so much more development. So it'll be interesting to see of how they're able to accelerate the growth of some of these prospects and really not miss on these mid-round picks that actually have a big impact in, in Major League Baseball. So that's going to be interesting in the long run. Yeah, the draft being shortened as well. Yeah, 
Right, and that's a challenge. I, I think it puts a big challenge on, on amateur scouting. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, baseball, only half of first-round picks make the big leagues. And, as, you know, as you know or anyone else knows, half of those picks make the major leagues just to push them to the big leagues, make it seem like that, hey, it was good enough, and then they cut them or trade them and get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now they're heightening the stakes so much by saying, hey, there's only five rounds that you can't miss on two picks. <laughs> you know, what used to be, hey, we're hoping two picks work out in, you know, back, you know, you know 20 years ago when it was unlimited. Um, you know, we're hoping to have two to five picks work out in the range of 60. You know, now it's saying, hey, we're going to sign about, you know, maybe 10 or 20 after the draft, but we can't miss on these five or we're going to be in the hole about $10 million and people are going to be out of jobs. So it really just heightens the stakes for amateur scouting. And it's going to be, um, you know, really interesting to see how they're able to, you know, really find these players and then be able to pull the trigger on an 18-year-old kid and invest that much money into them, you know, with no safety net. When you were uh, playing, um, you already had kind of your eye uh, uh, kind of in for, looking forward, um, you loved writing. Um, yeah. You knew you wanted to be a writer. Obviously, writing short season um, about Josiah uh, Vieira. What? Um, and I'll, I'll edit this part out, but oh, that's all right. <laughs> we're going to kind of circle back. So you met with his grandfather, uh, David Boner, and you, he really enchanted you and really kind of brought you into the family fold and, and you realized you wanted to be part of telling Josiah's story. Yeah. So the way that story came out of me, I I think of it as, as the, the most amazing opportunity that baseball has ever been a part of in my life. Now, I always thought of myself as a baseball player, you know, as, as much as I love writing, as much as I studied and trained to be a writer. Yeah. As, as you know how it is, in order to get to a certain level, you need to have blinders on. And a lot of times that hurts you in the long run, mm-hmm. but it's it's a risk players pretty much have to take. And for me, I, I was a baseball player. And writing was the way that, you know, pretty much I wrote for myself. And it was the way that I was able to you know, express myself or tell a story that maybe I couldn't say. And writing was the way that I would do that. And, you know, when when I was in Peoria, Illinois, it was a ball for, for the St. Louis Cardinals, and I ended up getting hurt. And it was one of those, you know, challenging times where I was like, man, things were just, I was just turning the corner of my season. Things were finally falling into place, it felt like you were on the right track. You know, minor league baseball, you could feel like you are two steps away from the big leagues or the next day you feel like you are 10 miles away from any sort of land. And I was sent down then to State College, Pennsylvania, just mm-hmm. with our doctor. I broke my hand, and that was pretty much it. And in walks this, this child named Josiah Vieira and his grandfather, and you know, if you want to talk about a room just changing mm-hmm. when a ten-year-old boy, you know, hobbles into a clubhouse, and you know, mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. And, and I was able to meet with Dave. Turns out that he lived only forty minutes from my hometown. Josiah, uh, his doctor, is actually located in my hometown. So that off-season, I was able to 
to go to his doctor's appointments. Dave and I met every Thursday night to get coffee, and he just told me about life. It was something where I was an early 20s kid trying to figure out this thing called life in baseball, and he really uh, you know, took me under his wing and just talked to me about life, talking about their experiences, about their family, about you know, about Josiah, the challenges that they face, the struggle that they're about to face, and the healing that they had to go through. And this was, this was like church to me. I mean, it was mm-hmm. incredible. And I remember we were sitting at our Dunkin' Donuts where we meet every Thursday, and Dave told me something that I would never forget. Uh, he finished he finished his story. You know, this was now over the course of six months of him talking to me. And he said he never wanted Josiah to be forgotten. And Josiah was a, he was a coach for the State College Spikes. He was, you know, on the field with the players. It was really a unique, inspiring situation that the State College Spikes really gave him full access to the team. The New York Penn League did the same. It was really amazing. And I said, Dave, you know, of all the people that Josiah has impacted, there's no way we would ever forget. And he said, you know, he appreciates that, and, and, and it's true. But if it's not written down, people forget. And and he was right. You know, history is not told anymore. It is written. And, you know, that's when, you know, he asked me if he, he knew my writing background. But more than that, he trusted me with the story, and, and he, he asked if, if I would help him with it. So right there we decided that we were going to write the story down. And we were going to print it out at Staples, so every ten years we can come back to the same coffee shop. Hmm. So it was it was an amazing experience because we didn't want anything else from other than the story to be written down. From that, a producer at ESPN that did a story on Josiah in a thirty for thirty on him, um, he got involved and ended up uh, connecting us with with the, the right literary agent who ended up then selling it to a publishing company, and, and we were able to go through that that whole process together. Unfortunately, Josiah passed away in 2018 on Christmas Eve, but, you know, we, we were all able to, to go through that, and, and he was able to go through the publishing process and, and really have that, that experience as a family. So um, it was an honor to do that story, and it, it made me grow up as a writer, um, you know, real quickly. So it was, you know, I, I think if baseball, you know, baseball May, may not have worked out for me of making to the big leagues, but if my whole career ended up being for me to meet Josiah and meet Dave, well, then it, it was worth it completely. Did that project give you more confidence and courage as a writer? Uh, maybe. So it, you know how it is when, when you write something. Yeah. It's like you just got it. You just got a new puppy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, is, it is the cutest thing, and it's perfect. There is nothing better. And writing is pretty much showing everyone your new puppy and then everyone telling you that it's ugly. So, uh, you know, I, I really had a, in a way, I think it humbled me of knowing of, like, hey, I got to grow up as a writer. There's a big difference between an amateur writer and, you know, an author, you know, and, and, and we don't really look at it that way. I had to rewrite that thing four different times just because it wasn't right. And still today... You know, I'm very fortunate that I think I got one thing right in that entire process, and that was the story. You know, we told the right story. I think I think up until that point, 
everyone wanted to focus on Josiah's diagnosis. They wanted to focus on his struggles or his inspiration. But the real story was about this family that had to heal and that they were facing, you know, not just a challenge in the moment, but they were about to face one of the hardest moments that any person would ever have to go through. Josiah was diagnosed as terminally ill when he was two, around two years old. Mm-hmm. They were going to have to face that. And, you know, we told the story of how this family was able to heal and mm-hmm. how they were able to prepare. So that was the only thing I think we, that I got right, maybe. And it really showed me, I think, A, the value of story. That's the only, the only thing that matters is the story beneath the story. And, and B, I need way, way more work on my interviewing skills. <laughs> and that was something that, uh, you know, it really made me grow quick. And, and even say, yeah, there's cringeworthy sentences in there, there's cringeworthy mistakes, but it's still a, a quality story. And I'm, and I'm very happy of, you know, of how Dave was able to articulate um, a lot of the stuff that, that I, as a young 20-year-old, would never be able to understand. So I, I give most of the credit to him because without it, without his wisdom, you know, I, I think I would have totally screwed up this book. I don't know if uh, a lot of people uh, know your history, um, how you kind of came into baseball as a bat boy for the yeah. Phillies AAA. Um we have talked about this before, but we, we have talked about that. I, we have. <laughs> I have made it further as a bad boy than I did as a player. So, so I uh, okay. Well, but you had a great time. You had a great time as a bat boy, oh, and and with your brother, and and a little uh, background on that, and and what um, your sort of just any memory that kind of comes to mind, and. Yeah, I'll, you can share. I'll, I'll tell you, no, for sure, that being a bat boy at that age, I was in, you know, fifth, sixth grade being mm-hmm. a bat boy for a AAA affiliate at the Phillies. And, you know, I still look back on, on that moment and those memories as the reason why I love the game so much. Because, you know, first off, I was able to do it with my brother. And that's why my brother and I, I, I think, are so close today, just because, you know, we grew up together playing baseball, but we grew up as bat boys together. We did everything together, and that was one of them. But what I think really set that experience apart was I didn't know anything about prospects. I didn't know anything about politics. I didn't know anything about, you know, making the big leagues or not. I, I thought Scranton Wilkes-Barre Red Barons <laughs> was the big leagues. And <laughs> that was where people wanted to play, and, and the Phillies were just another team. And so I saw the game as maybe not what it was, but maybe what it could be. And it was the most pure view of baseball that that I've ever seen. And, and that's why, even today, you know, I still love the game of baseball. As much as it seems like an ex-girlfriend to me, you know, it's still a game that is meant to be enjoyed and played and, and loved as a family. So I think one of the best memories, I, I think we were – we were growing up a little bit now, so now I'm like a full adult in the sixth grade being a bat boy, and I was I was a veteran, okay? I had years <laughs> under my belt as a ball boy, and then, uh, you know, I was going to be a clubhouse worker. I mean, I was moving up in the world, <laughs> and we were the, the bat boys for the away team. And I, I always remember Bruce Chen, he was a pitcher, and he spent a good amount of time at Big League, but 
by the end of his career, he was mostly in AAA. And anytime he would come into town, he would make sure that we were taken care of. You know, he'd order us French fries from the, the restaurant connected to the stadium. He would always come around and say hello to us, um, play catch with us when we were, um, you know, getting ready before the game. And he made us feel like that we were a teammate. And, and that was something that even when I was in the minor leagues, you know, I still remember guys like that, Bruce Chen, you know, Michael Lieberthal back in the day, even Jason Numper, guys that, that you would really, Matt Holland, that really never hear of, that they made my day a little bit better because they acted as if I was a teammate. So when I was in the minor leagues, you know, I, I made sure to try to do that. And if there was a fan that, that was there early, you know, playing mm-hmm. catch with someone mm-hmm. or, or just going and having a conversation with them, I may not have been, you know, the greatest baseball player in the world, but but I hope something like that can can give them a better view of baseball, and maybe that could stay with them. So those memories, I think, um, they still impact me today, and and that's why I still get mad at players who don't sign for for kids, yeah, or they don't talk to to players. Cause that, listen, that's part of your job. If you're a player, you know, that's part of going to the park, part of the custom of being a minor league baseball player. You know, and that's something that I really took to heart. Okay, so we've reached uh, trivia time. Oh, no. Yeah, but you played baseball, so you should know baseball trivia. We've we've gone over this. You have to, yeah, yeah you should be good at this. No, no? you're right. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're 100% right. <laughs> those are the prerequisites. Okay, so you, <laughs> so you grew up a Pirates fan? So then five years ago, you should know who had the best average on the team. The best average five years ago on the Pirates? Oh, my God. <laughs> five years ago. They were good five years ago, correct? I mean, well. <laughs> Shoot me straight here. Were they, were they good five years ago? They're all right. <laughs> I'll be honest. When I look back, yeah, it's hard to I, believe me. I couldn't get this if I didn't know it already. <laughs> so no, uh, pass. Pass. Okay. <laughs> you see that? Who was it? It's no uh, Cervelli. You know, I was no, I was no, I was not going to say Cervelli. I was like, I know it. <laughs> no, no he, I can't even pretend I knew that. That was before he went down with PED, right? Uh, yeah, he hit 295. Gotcha. All right, so next. Uh, you, uh, so you were in sort of the Phillies organization, kind of. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> um, so might you know who the two Phillies uh, numbers who were retired? The two numbers that were retired? Um, Mike Schmidt. One. Tug McGraw. Nope, I'll give you one more try. It is, it is a pitcher. It is a pitcher. Roy Holiday. Not yet. Uh, Steve, oh. Steve Cohen. Oh, Number 32. Oh. <laughs> no, I should have got that. That was a little hanging for a Yeah. Okay, finally, for, for the writer. <laughs> Oh no. Who 
is the biography, recent biography, The Lost Boy About. Mickey Mantle. You got it. Jane Levy. Oh. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I will say that's, uh, yeah. All right. It's good job. So you you Thank sort you. of got two. You got one out of two in the second question. And you got the uh, the, the last boy book. So there you Come on. That's, oh. like, that's like one for three with a sack fly. That's, yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jake, I, I just always love talking to you, and um, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon, uh, and thank you for your time. No, thank you. I was, was, was glad to, to be on here and talk to you a little bit. All right, thanks. Talk to you later. Hey, right, see you. Okay, bye. Okay, uh, Jake did really good. I was He did very well. I was impressed that he knew the... Uh, the book because Jane Levy is amazing and and uh so definitely uh good thing that he knew that <laughs> uh thank you again uh to Jake Gronsky for joining me the giveaway is an autographed copy of a short season all you have to do autographed by Jake <laughs> not me uh the co-author, Jake Gronsky, will send you an autographed copy of that book. All you have to do is retweet uh, my tweet on my account, Heels on the Field, all lowercase. You can go to my Twitter, and I will put that tweet up as soon as this interview is posted. You don't have to be following me. That's not a requirement. So uh, go there, retweet. You'll be eligible to win the book. Uh, autographed by our guest today. Uh, it was wonderful to have him on, and uh, I appreciate uh, getting to have this time again with you baseball fans. Uh, we'll have episode three next week. Looking forward to more. Thank you, guys.